sorry, Luke 12, 22 to 34. Sorry about that. <laughs> Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. No. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy, Provide yourselves with money bags that you do not grow old with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moths destroy. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here in the reading. Thanks, Aletta. Uh, also, just a reminder for those sitting in the aisles there, we do have our prayer and communication clipboards if you want to pick them up and if you would like to uh, write down some prayer requests or anything you want to communicate with church leadership, just pick them up and write it down or if you see one after the service, you can do that as well. Let's pray and ask that God will uh, speak to us through his word and his spirit this morning. Uh, Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the truth of it. We thank you that we can uh, read it this morning. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, interact with our hearts and minds and souls and that we would hear your voice, um, that we would be able to examine our lives uh, and know truth this morning. Lord, I pray for your spirit to work through me as I speak and preach. I pray uh, that your words uh, would go out and pray that all of our hearts would hear you uh, in this space and time this morning. Amen. 
So uh, as I've already alluded to, uh, we've rolled over into a new decade. Uh, we've left the teens behind us and we're heading into uh, the 20s. And uh, this, year, uh, this week I got into uh, reading lots of stuff about uh, the decade in review. Have you been reading some of those or having a look at those and thinking about uh, what's this past decade uh, been like and what's it going to be remembered for? It's an interesting process to start to think about what's been happening. I, I started to think what was happening in 2010. And I thought, what iPhone was out in 2010? Do you know what iPhone was out was in 2010? It's four. Yeah, iPhone 4 in 2010. Or um, Samsung Galaxy S. So, for those. So, it's a lot, so, so things have changed phone-wise. Um, how many prime ministers have we had in the decade? Too many? Seven? Seven prime ministers in 10 years? That's a bit crazy, isn't it? Um, lots of stuff. This, I, found, I found this uh, a slide um, that sort of, I, I don't know, for me it sort of marked the era. Sort of, I was in sort of this technology type thing of um, losing Steve Jobs and moving into Elon Musk territory and people travelling into space because they can now and you can pay for it and you can go on a space expedition. Uh, yeah, um, social media, Grumpy Cat and uh, Wonder Woman, the whole, I think a decade of um, women's uh, movement, like even if you look in women's sport or um, Me Too movement, all those sorts of things. I'm trying to work out what this last thing is. Is it? It's a communications, isn't it? It's a Bluetooth speaker thing, is it? No, what is it? Oh, there you, <laughs> there you go, Pokemon Go. That's embarrassing. I'll uh, leave it at that. Um, so anyway, just starting to get you thinking about uh, what's been happening over the last 10 years, um, technology-wise. Um, I didn't even, I, I should have, and I couldn't find one that had a range of things and Donald Trump, because I think that's going to go down in history, um, isn't it, for us to remember in uh, the teens. Um, but as I was uh, reading stuff um, about the decade, a number of uh, times this sort of theme came up. Uh, and I've sort of summed it up in um, this phrase here. It's the decade that has left us reeling. And that's, it, came, it comes up with quite a lot of stuff that you'll read uh, about the decade. Uh, it's a decade, uh, and this was in a, lo a lot of stuff that I read, that is going to uh, be remembered and marked for um, a growing fear and anxiety about what's happening in the world. And just have a think about it uh, over the last 10 years. already alluded to some of it around um, crazy politics, um, uh, of some of the things not just in America but around the world. Um, um, refugees and refugee crisis was another thing I thought of this year. Uh, the whole conversation about climate change the whole conversation about um, gender fluidity, where the world's going with uh, some of these things, uh, a decade of um, terror, of terror events around the world, 
uh, a decade marked by a, a number of them talk about protests. Protests, think about what's been going on in Hong Kong recently, but around the world, um, a, 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 a phrase that comes up often when you, is um, that we, we live in the age of outrage, um, particularly on social media, but um, pretty well in anywhere we sort of go around, there's this right to be angry about things, um, and we, uh, we can vent that. Um, in any way we want. Everyone's angry. <laughs> Some of the conversation I've been uh, having at, at Bunnings and in the tea room was uh, quite interesting and, and um, around why things are happening in the world and who's to blame. I, I, was, I was telling people this, that probably at the beginning of the decade, I didn't ever think that I would see a world war or the possibility. Over this course of this year, I could possibly see things heading down that path. I was uh, in the tea room with you yesterday at Bunnings and there was a young guy, uh, there's probably, I don't know, what is he, about 16 or 17, and um, the cricket was on and I said, to him, oh, you follow cricket? He said, oh, no, no, I'm not following cricket. And then he goes to me, did you see what Trump did today? He, he said, have you, started, what, have you seen what's going to happen? What's going to happen now that Trump's done this? And this I from a 16, 17-year-old <laughs> that uh, have this awareness of world politics and the effects it might have on their lives um, moving forward. Um, I think this decade of despair, um, and it's marked in a lot of the stuff that I read, of a huge rise in anxiety, depression, and mental health issues. If you look back over the last 10 years, um, people will see that that sort of characterises it. There's this sense that um, the whole idea of globalisation or uh, the internet dream that, that you, that's put out on the internet, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or whatever, um, actually isn't living up to it. And actually... People are seeing through it, and it's actually they're seeing it as a lie, and that uh, lifestyle isn't bringing hope. Um, world politics often isn't giving hope, or and so um, there is this sense um, that uh, throughout the world um, it's wealthier than it's ever been before. Um, there's sort of some stuff written about that there is less. Um, extreme poverty in the world today than ever before. It depends how you measure that. There's some arguments and stuff against it. But there is this sense that people are recognising that wealth and sort of um, the accumulation of stuff and lifestyle is not actually um, getting rid of anxiety or worry. Um, so that's sort of big picture, but maybe just closer to home. How would you sum up your decade? How would you sum up your decade? If you were to look back and you're telling friends or family, oh, the last 10 years have been like this. Or you might even just, that might be too big to think. You might just go back to one year. Um, I have this thing that, that I have, that my life is sort of broken up into 10-year blocks. 
And so I have this, um, the 20s to 30s were my architecture years, where I studied and worked in architecture. And then my 30s to 40s were my transition year, where I transitioned out of architecture into church um, pastoring. And then 40s to 50s, I was um, pastor, full-time pastor, sort of through that time. And now I'm into 50s, and I don't know sort of what. My, and I'm sitting there, and... Um, I'm thinking about my future and where to go. And actually, so this year has been a really tough year for me. I've, I've actually seen a psychologist, a Christian psychologist, for most of this year. Because um, just my, my thinking um, got into a sort of a negative pattern of thinking and um, started to spiral into um, yeah, just a, a sense of hopelessness or despair at times. And um, seeing this Christian psychologist was great because just to align my thinking and... Um, being with other Christian people to, uh, to do what we're doing today, to align myself to the truth <laughs> and to find hope in the truth of um, who God is and who I'm because, because of him. I spoke to so many people in the last number of weeks who said that 2019 has been the worst year of their lives. I reckon I could count easily 10 people that said that to me over the last two or three weeks. And so here we are at the beginning of the new year, <laughs> supposed to be excited and ready to get into a new year. But I wonder whether a lot of us actually aren't thinking that. And particularly, we've already alluded to it, what's been happening in our country uh, this week or the last few weeks as well. So the question I want you to ask yourself this morning is this one. Uh, what do you worry about for the future? And as you ask yourself that question, I ask that you would ask God and I'd ask his spirit, how would you answer that? Ask his spirit just to convict you about what are you worrying about for the future? What makes you anxious or what stresses you out? Because as I was thinking about it and I pondered this passage that the letter read for us, I wonder whether the same things that um, that Jesus' listeners were worried about are not what we worried about. I don't think a lot of us worry about food or clothes. Or we're some of the most wealthy people in the world. <laughs> so what is it? What are the other things that you might worry about or stress about? And I, as I think about this, depending where you are on the timeline of life, it's different, isn't it? Te teens are going to worry or young adults are going to worry about different things um, to, you know, young, young marrieds or parents or kids or, gra oh, sorry, um, grandparents. And some of these things that we've talked about already might be playing on your mind and thinking about or, or, or weighing a burden on you. And I also think the other thing too that... Um, that will play into this um, is your personality. So some of us have, you know, will have positive personality, pessimistic or optimistic. And, and so the way, this is going to apply differently to, to each one of us. And so I want you to sort of just ask these questions and just in this time as I'm speaking here to be asking God, yeah, what is, what is it that I worry about? And maybe for us as a church as well, individually and a church collective, what is it? What does our future look like? What are we thinking about our future is going to be? And do we worry about that, stress about that?
So um, I've titled this sermon, uh, Don't Worry About 2020. Um, and if we go to the next slide, it's not just me saying that, because um, as a letter just read for us, Jesus says, uh, don't worry about, well, I've just added in a bit here, but don't worry about the 20s, or don't even worry about 20 to 20. He's, Jesus says, don't even worry about tomorrow. And <laughs> so many of us here would have heard this story before, this parable before, this teaching of Jesus before. And what's your gut reaction when you see that, when you read that? What's your gut reaction? I think most of us in this room just dismiss it. Or we say, yeah, right, it's okay for you to say that, Jesus. I don't know anyone who doesn't worry. So how does Jesus get up here and say, don't worry? <laughs> I think um, this sermon, this message, this passage just reminds us again of our human frailty and our tendency to worry about the future. And uh, there is hope as we go through um, this passage and th this message um, that Jesus does give us a reason why we can actually say that. Um, for us to think about what is worry, I tried to um, try and come up with a simple phrase. I think I've put it to worry is a fear of a bad future. I think it's something like that. There is, um, I was trying to think, is there a sense of healthy worry? I think worry in itself is probably not a good thing. It's healthy concern. I think we're allowed to have healthy concern, aren't we? So we're, we're concerned about our futures in terms of career or our kids or what's happening in the world. There's a healthy concern that we would want to bring that before God and pray about it and actually plan for the future. I read a quote this week, uh, it's okay to plan for the future, but it's not, good, it's not okay to worry about the future. And so somewhere in there we have to try and work out what that means for, for us and, and what the line is. Because in the everyday life, that line is a little bit grey at times, isn't it? But when is it that it pushes us to uh, anxiety? Um, the, w the word anxiety or the root sort of idea of um, the word anxiety or to be anxious is the idea of to be in pieces, to be sort of smashed apart, to, to fall apart. That my, and you, people talk about this, don't they? That my life's in pieces, I just fell apart. And the opposite, in some ways, of um, anxiety is actually to be single-minded, to be whole, to have a sense of shalom, peace, which means um, wholeness or contentness. Um, and coming out of Christmas, I think the opposite of worry has been our Advent preparation. Think of the words of love, joy, peace and patience. And often those things are mingled together to have the sense of what the opposite of worry would look like. There's a sense of peace, of joy, of contentment, of love, of hope uh, for the future. So uh, let's not stress 2020. Uh, it's a very biblical picture um, to uh, have this idea of living for today. 
So we have the biblical theme of not worrying about the past because God's taken care of the past and he has dealt with our past. Uh, he, uh, it's pretty clear not to worry about the future because the future is in God's hands. And so there is this sense of living in the moment, living for the day and living with God in that. So um, how do we head into this year uh, with this sense of living every day without fear or worry and I love what Jesus says at the end of this passage and he says and it's like he sort of gathers his people around he says fear not little flock because you've got a father who's willing to give you the whole kingdom it actually pleases him to give you uh, the whole kingdom and uh, in this passage, and there's the, um, the matching passage in Matthew 6, which we'll, um, many of us will know as well. Um, and the themes that come out there is, um, if we go to the next slide. Uh, yep, go to the next slide, I think. I don't know what slide we're up to. No, we'll go on that one. Thanks, Matt. You were right. Um, because the Father knows what to give, and he's pleased to give us the kingdom. But this idea, um, this imagery, and I, and I want us to think, because the kids nailed it this morning, didn't they? And I was expecting them to nail it, because we can learn a lot from kids. They don't worry, because they've got parents who take care, <laughs> care of everything. And God, Jesus, uses that image for us to have an understanding of how we're going to live without worry. Uh, the other um, image uh, that he gives here is of a king. So he's pleased to give you a king. So what does a king do? A king does, if you think, uh, it's just a family extended. Uh, a king is a provider, a protector, um, a preparer of the people. Um, and the other uh, imagery that we just talked about there is uh, shepherd, isn't it? That Jesus is the... The, the shepherd of the flock. And again, what do shepherds do? They provide, they protect, they lead, they guide um, their flock into the future. And so that imagery uh, is something that's going to help us as we uh, engage with uh, the future. One of the things that I think this passage does, and the reason that Jesus can say, uh, don't worry, is that he reminds us again of um, perspectives and expectations. Uh, he takes us to, um, you've got to view the world and the view the future from who you are, that you are the children of God, or you are a lovingly cared sheep, or you are um, a, a, a um, citizen under the care of a king. Um, but also, I think the role of parents and kings and shepherds is to prepare their people for the future. And one of the things that Jesus does is that he prepares uh, his disciples, particularly as he leaves the world. Have a think about this. Think about what he says to them as he leaves the world. And he prepares them for suffering. <laughs> And actually, if you read through the rest of the, the sort of the New Testament, there's a lot of this theme that comes up. That as you head into the future, be prepared for suffering. You're going to suffer if you want to follow me. Because remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He says, the world's going to hate you because of me. 
and they're going to persecute you and they're going to kill you if you want to follow me. But then as you think of the pictures later on as we get into, um, into Revelation and further in the, the, the New Testament as well, uh, where it says that in these last days, between the time of when Jesus has ascended to him, when he's going to come back, what does he promise? Earthquakes, <laughs> wars, rumours of wars, natural disasters that are going to wipe out much <laughs> of the world and its people. He says, you've got to be prepared because these times are tough. And then he goes further and he says, uh, actually, you've got a spiritual enemy, the devil and his demons, who have been given power on the earth to unleash hell. The Bible is very clear that the world that we live in, Satan is very active and has been given a leash. He's still in control. He's under the control of God. But he has been given much um, opportunity in the world to, unreak, uh, to wreak uh, havoc and suffering. He said, you've got to be prepared for that. And so you've got to be um, prepared uh, for that spiritual battle. Um, I love the way Tim Keller talks. I think it's Tim Keller that talks about it. I've got to get a quote or he'd mention him in, um, where he talks about our enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. So spiritual reality, our flesh in terms of our inner thinking, and the world, our culture that is so anti. Um, and our culture at the moment, a lot of the stuff that I read this week talks about how the media in particular is thriving on a culture of fear and dread and anger. And they love it. You know why they love it? Because it makes them really rich. <laughs> because there is this, and I read this uh, this week, um, there is this um, sort of inner um, human nature in us that's drawn towards negative. And it's actually sort of natural, in, you know, um, natural of our human self to be drawn toward the negative. And we have a, f a strange fascination with it. Um, and as Jesus sort of alludes to here as we go through it, is that it's actually a choice because he says... And that, that's a faith choice. He says, are oh, you of little faith? You've actually got to make a faith choice not to be drawn into that, but to go into that being positive. Go into that world that is a mess with a sense of love and joy and peace and hope. And that's a faith choice. Uh, it's actually a worldview <laughs> Um, the context of the passage that we're reading today um, particularly is around wealth and money. And it's interesting for us, being um, the richest people in the world, sitting here today, because um, we don't think money or wealth is an issue for us. <laughs> but yet, we tend to worry about it. <laughs> Um, but we're not worried about food and drink and stuff like that. We're worried about, what are we worried about? Mortgages, careers, retirements, those sorts of things. 
Um, and he does allude to the fact, and he picks that up later uh, in other places, doesn't he, that uh, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom. And, he does, and he, what he says, saying there, and he sort of alludes to it here, because he talks about it in this passage, that, um, what does he say? Uh, and I always get this mixed up. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so he, he's saying it's actually a heart thing and we worry about where we place our heart. <laughs> and so I all too often place my heart or my trust in either wealth or my own education or my own ability to pull myself out of negative thinking <laughs> or to change my own situation. But Jesus says, I want you to put your heart... <laughs> back on me, back on my father. So I think in this, as we head into a year, this new year, I think this passage helps us um, have a, a perspective and an expectation that we live uh, in a broken world and we have a God who is interacting with us our loving Father who's interacting with us in that broken world. We have um, a God who is in control of the universe, who Jesus says um, we can call Dad. And we can call on him in the midst of whatever is coming our way. And so I've said this a lot over the years, and I, for me it rings true as to how I can enter a new year or enter the future without worry because I have a dad, a heavenly dad, who controls the universe, who can, con who can change anything. He can change anything at an instant. And so I can ask him for that change. Um, but I also know that he knows what's best for me and what I need and often that is the power to get through suffering, to get through the things that aren't working out the way I think they should be. And so I can go to a dad and I say, help me get through this. Help me get through this. Um, I think it was Andrew Boonstra that posted, um, it, was an art, it was an interview with someone that was in the middle of the bushfires and he, I think his house was burning or he was there with his kids and the flames were coming up and he said, I'm an atheist. And as these fires came to me, uh, came at us, he said, I cried out to God and he said, I asked Jesus to stop the fire. And then it said, and then the wind blew in and blew the flames the other way. See, we have a God who can change anything, who hears and answers prayers. We have a God who will actually get us through times where that prayer is not answered that way, where our house burns or our family die. And we have a Father that is with us in both of those situations and so I can enter another year I can enter another day 
with this sense of a God who is with me and knows me and loves me. So, next slide. How then do we live this peaceful, joyful, hopeful, loving life? How do we live worry-free day to day? And I think Jesus highlights it in a few different ways. And he says, what I want you to do in the midst of the world and the brokenness that you live in, I want you to seek the Father. Seek the King, and I want you to treasure him, to trust him, to love him, to set your heart on me to him, to be not spread everywhere in the world, but to be focused on him and who he has revealed himself to be. Set your hearts on things above. That's what it says, doesn't it? Set your hearts on things above. Have um, a relationship with him. Spend time with him. Talk with him. Uh, And if we uh, have a father, then we are by default part of a family. And so often, God tends to reveal himself and his ways through his church and through his people. To spend time with them. To encourage one another each day. Uh, as what I, whatever may come my way. To have a dad that I can say, Dad, I need your help. And more than that, I can even say, Dad, I have a world that needs your help. And I can actually start to pray for my country, my neighbours, my friends, and say, Lord, help us to find hope and purpose and meaning uh, in this time. I love the fact that there's been this big cry of the church around Australia. So today has been marked by lots of churches around Australia for people to get together and pray for rain. And I love the fact that we wake up in the morning before all these prayer meetings have happened and it's raining. And today, this morning, as we're gathering, there's all these people gathering together to pray. And I think there's this sense of of God sort of just, I don't know, he spoke to me in this, just saying, I've got it. I'm the God who's over And whether it rains here or over there, I'm the one who's actually in charge of the climate. I'm the one that's in charge of everything. Uh, So be with me. Trust me. Know that I am in the midst of it. Um, And the other one he says, so seek seek the king and the relationship with the father and the way uh, then he also says, and seek his righteousness as well. And that's um, basically Jesus sort of is revealing the whole gospel message there. He says, uh, there is a righteousness that comes from God through me. He reveals himself that my life, death, resurrection, ascension actually is the way that you can be right with the Father. And it's the way that you can actually go to the creator of the universe and bring your request to him and that you can be sustained through all these things. So seek, uh, particularly as we come out of Christmas, knowing that Jesus was born to die and that he rose again and that he has promised to come again the king is coming again and when he comes again what has he promised there will be no more suffering no more pain no more fires no more depression no more anxiety no more worry because there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and my reign and my rule will be established with my people in perfection forever that's a good picture to have isn't it and he reminds us that while we live in these days Jesus says, you, because you're right with God, he is pleased to give you everything, the kingdom. And so what does he give you best out of all the kingdom? He gives you himself. He actually gives you his spirit. And he says, your spirit is going to be in you. And I say this pretty well every time I preach. What is the spirit? 
What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. I always get those last ones mixed up. That is the opposite of worry, isn't it? And so in the midst of this world, we can ask, Holy Spirit, I need, <laughs> I need your love, joy, peace, hope, patience, kindness in this world. And then uh, as he gets to the end, um, Jesus says, um, so don't build your treasure on earth, build it in heaven. All these things on earth, they're going to pass away. Uh, you're going to need them in life, but don't worry, your dad's got that covered. He'll look after what you need. Build your treasure in heaven. So now that you've been given the kingdom, Jesus says, I want you to live the way the king says or live the way dad says. And this passage comes in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, this is the way you live worry-free in the kingdom. And he starts talking about, if you go back through um, to Matthew, he starts to talk about how you pray. Because you've got a, a, he starts to talk about how you might fast. He talks about uh, how you're going to love your enemies, how you're going to pray for those who might persecute you, uh, how you're going to have uh, a view of marriage and identity and family, uh, how you're going to view the way you think of others. And in this kingdom, we are now free to live that way. I've given you the whole kingdom. Now, just live this way. Because as we go to our last slide the world needs this (laughs) the world in 2020 needs a hopeful joyful peaceful loving everyday non-anxious presence which is you because you're the dwelling place of his spirit and that happens uh, through the church and the spirit but it happens as a community as a whole I love the fact that when people come to Cavell Corner, they talk, there's something about this place. It's a place of peace. It's not a place, it's the people there. Because <laughs> it's God's people. And so there's something about us being that, collectively. But there's something about you in your workplace, or in your school, or with your friends, to be this. Because we live in an age of outrage, And we need the power to be a peaceful voice in that place. We live in an age of extreme anxiety and depression and hopelessness. And God has called us to be that non-anxious presence to bring the proclamation of his kingdom. Um, Again, I think it's another Tim Keller thing. And this is what I've been praying for and asking God this year. And I think it's the power that the gospel brings to us, that he brings to us a sense of self-forgetfulness. Okay, And so if the gospel is true, and Jesus is who he says he is, and I now am right with God, and my eternal future is set right, actually I can start to forget about my own life, and I can actually start to think about God and what, it means to love him with all my heart and soul. And I can actually start to think about what does it look like to love my neighbour? And, and as I do that, you know what? I start to think less about my own issues. And what I'm, and, the, 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 and I'm asking God to help me become self-forgetful because often that's where worry starts and breed. It's when I start to 
inward focus and thinking about my life and this and that's not happening for me and why doesn't that do that and this classic line God why aren't you doing that for me <laughs> and I start to stress about the things and worry about the things that I want God to do in my life and so I'm actually saying God I don't even want to have that conversation anymore I actually want to have the freedom to live in your kingdom a life that is focused on you and others last night I was having a conversation with my Dutch uncle um, and we got into talking about the fires. Um, and he was talking about that. And then he said to me, he said, uh, Glenn, do you worry about climate change? And I said, oh, yeah, no, sort of. And then I actually said, I'm actually more concerned about the world and the, and the people in it and the way that they're living because I think that the people of the world are, t are too worried about material possessions and that's actually led to greed and selfishness and humanism and I think actually I'm more worried about where people are finding hope <laughs> and meaning and purpose and this morning as I, I reflected on that conversation more I thought, yes, this passage reminds me that I have a kingdom perspective. That in these last days, there's going to be suffering and hardship. and things. But I've got a father and a king and a shepherd who can change these things or get me through it. And actually, those words of fear not, little flock, are true. And so even though there might be wars and rumours of wars and famines and droughts and floods and earthquakes... I have a bigger perspective, a kingdom perspective that prepares me for that future. And it actually allows me to live a day at a time and actually enjoy that. Because <laughs> uh, as we sang, it, then we're going to sing it again. We actually have a really good, good father and he knows what we need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you.